all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard. It's what you make of it. But what if only struggle surrounds you? What can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair. Please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through. Just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see. You are not alone. You have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know. But if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up because you got this. If you quit, think of all the opportunities that you could miss. We are all full of authentic points of view. Myself alone have at least 22. They come from the things that we have been through. Those things can either make or break you. Life is full of ups and downs. It's our choice to either smile or frown. Please choose to smile today. Because it's one thing that's free to give away. People say that life isn't hard, it's what you make of it, but what if only struggle surrounds you, what can you take from it? Life can be hard and some things aren't fair, please listen to others just to be aware. All I'm saying, you never know what someone's going through, just because they look happy doesn't make it true. Hopefully this podcast will help you see, you are not alone, you have at least got me. We are more alike than you may know, but if we stay quiet, we will never grow. Don't ever give up, because you got this. Think of all the opportunities that you could miss. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Authentic Points of View. I'm Danielle Boer, your host, as always. Thank you so much. Woohoo! Thanks for listening. So, <laughs> I'm so excited. New countries are listening, and everybody knows how I feel about that. I am pumped. Uh, let's see. So, Ireland. Um, oh, boy. Should have wrote this down. So, Ireland and something with a C. <laughs> Who knows? Anyways, all of those have started to listen, and um, it's so exciting. And... I'm trying to think of all of them. I'll look it up. But keep listening because you guys are awesome. Thank you. So I'm excited about today's guest. I've known her for many, many years. And uh, don't ask me the math on it. <laughs> I, <don't> <laughs> I think 2006 maybe. So uh, she is awesome and she's strong and she's a beautiful person inside and out. So I'm so excited to talk to her today. And this um, month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, so that's really awesome. So Beth Fundark is a breast cancer survivor who raised uh, twins as a single parent, and Beth is now the owner of Beth's Cake Stand. So welcome, Beth, to the show. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> and uh, so... All right, Beth. I'm excited. I haven't seen you in years, so <laughs> it was really cool. Yeah, to yeah it's been a while. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. 
we met during um working as restaurant managers so mm -hmm. what degrees did you get and how long were you in restaurant management uh, I have an associate in business administration and I have a bachelor's in hotel restaurant management. Um, I had been working in food service slash restaurants for over 30 years now. Uh, again, just like you, I don't, I don't have the math, <laughs> but it's, it's been too long to count. You know what I mean? So um, I started out as a hostess, then I was a server, then um, I was a bartender, uh, I went to management, um, and many, many uh, restaurants ago, <laughs> and now I, um, well, I, I went from restaurants to uh, healthcare industry, working in a nursing home, um, which would was able to um, give me more flexibility, I want to say, with my scheduling, you know, with being a single mom, raising kids. So, you you know, as well as I do, you can't call off. You hardly get any sick days in the restaurant no. business. Your evenings, weekends, holidays. Um, yeah, I did 30 plus years of that. So mm -hmm. um, if I would have known about healthcare sooner, I would have done it sooner. Uh, and so I'm also in healthcare now too. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but you're right. I was just talking about it the other day, actually. Uh, the last time I was a restaurant manager, I was working some weeks, 70, 80 hours a week mm -hmm. on salary. And I figured out my paycheck one time and it was like $2 an hour I was making. Right. And, yeah. I never saw my kids, literally, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and I actually started getting a lot of health problems, so ever since then, I never, ever, ever got into restaurant managing again, and I actually became a server a few times after that, like a couple of restaurants after that, a server at Olive Garden, and I was like so much happier, and I was making way more money than I was being right. a manager. <laughs> what am I doing? So yeah, yeah, it's, it's really, it's a lot. I mean, as a nurse, I work long hours, you know, in healthcare, you can work 12 hours, but like, I only work three 12 hour shifts. I don't work right five or six, you know, long days like that. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a big I mean, difference. It's, I, I can imagine being a nurse is a little more stressful, but you also, um, for the most part, you get to clock in and clock out and go home and you don't take it with you. As a manager, you're at their beck and call, mm -hmm. you know, and like you said, you hardly see your kids because if, if you're a, in lower management, you're either working day shift or night shift. And um, so at, at Bob Evans, we were, for me to get there as an opening manager at 5 a.m., I had to wake two sleeping kids up at four, Me drop them off at, at somebody's daycare <laughs> at yeah. four thirty and drive like a bat out of hell to get there, you know, thirty miles away at um five AM. So yep. yeah, it was it was rough. Same story. <laughs> so I remember one time 
I had to take the kids far away because I had a situation with the person I didn't trust them and I was new to the area. So I had to take them all the way to my grandma's house in Payton City, which was like an hour away. Mm -hmm. And I was late opening the store, not opening the store, but letting them in. And they were so mad at me because it was like kind of cold out and nobody else had a key. And so it was a rough day. And I kept telling them, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But they didn't care. I bought them donuts and they're like, you're trying to bribe us. So I'm like, no, I felt bad. <laughs> like I felt bad for doing that. But it's like, I don't have a choice. You know, I was a single mom too uh, for many, many years of me living yeah. in Ohio. So it's like, anyway. All right. So. I understand. Uh, we have the same <laughs> friend, uh, right. but at least we're not doing that anymore. So, so you were a military spouse. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because my dad was in the military. So I think it's yeah. really. And um, what was your favorite part about being a military spouse, and where was your favorite part of the well of anywhere that you lived? Um, I, I think the favorite part is meeting all the different families and and you know you're you're only at one um station till you're only stationed at one spot for two three years so it's like a rotating base of families and you meet so many people and um I also liked that you you were only there for two or three years like before I moved back home in 2002 I moved around I was like a vagabond for 18 years <laughs> so the military kind of suited me you know the military life moving around because um I I I don't know what it is I don't know if it's like I liked going through my stuff you know you you you're always you don't have time to like stock up on stuff your stuff you don't get cluttered because you're always packing up and yeah I, I like had moving my, packing my furniture and my stuff down to a science. <laughs> and um, the other thing I liked was where you got to live. Um, I lived while I was married to um, my former husband. We lived in, um, we were at a and Texas A&M for a short stint while he was um, finishing up school. Um, after that, we went to McGuire Air Force Base in New Jersey, which um, that's where my love for restaurants really uh, hit a peak because I worked at a really, really nice restaurant, um, privately owned. Um, it's where I learned a lot about um, fine dining and wine and things like that. And it was owned by um, two couples who were retired school teachers who just were the sweetest people. Uh, after McGuire, we went to um, Hawaii. We were there for three years. Um, that's my, of course, my favorite mm -hmm. <laughs> place being stationed. Um, and that's where I got my first restaurant management job because I was fresh out of, um, I got my associate degree while in New Jersey. Uh, so that's where I got my first restaurant management job. Uh, it was in Waikiki, um, right at the, Waikiki has a strip um, street. We were right at the top of the street. So um, I, I still have a lot of friends and really fond memories from, from that. 
Um, we went from there to San Antonio uh, and uh, things kind of fell apart and we got divorced. And um, while I was there, well, after my divorce, um, I moved to Houston because it, my love for restaurants, I kind of did a little bit of research and, you know, after you have a breakup like that and you're, you kind of find your independence. Um, I was like, I can go anywhere and go to school. I can go to school for restaurant management anywhere in the United States. And lo and behold, Houston had one of the top three schools. So I was determined to finish school wherever I went, like stay in it until I finished it because I hopped around so much. But uh, I did graduate from the University of Houston uh, with a hotel restaurant management degree. Um, and I lived in Texas for probably a total of like 10 years. And that's that's one of my favorite places, too. I mean, it's it's second to Hawaii, of course, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I call Houston my uh, my second home. So, Aww. so I was born in Hawaii. So I always like to point uh, out what really? I have. Yeah, what I have you, in Why common. did I not know that? Yeah, I don't know why I didn't tell you. That's why I was like, I, I was reading your bio, and I was like, hi, I need to ask her this question. <laughs> uh, I I always like to point out that I have stuff in common with people, and of course, so a lot of the people when I first started doing this show, I knew most of the first few guests right so um of course i had something in common with them because mm -hmm. i knew them right so somehow we met and uh so but each show i would find out that i had something more in common with people so it's really cool to point those out because i always say you know it's part of my intro i'm like um first of all nobody's alone but second of all we no matter what part of the country or what part of the world we come from, you know, it could be different country. It could be whatever. It could be in a, you know, suburban versus a uh, urban, rural. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Rural, like whatever, wherever you come from, we all have something in common. And so it's pretty cool. I like to, to point that out. But yes, um, I left when I was two, though, so boo. But <laughs> I don't remember anything. Everybody's like, that's so cool. I'm like, mm, okay. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember. The pictures are really cool. They, I got to, yeah. like, apparently my parents say that I was on a boogie board since I was, like, one and I say that's not safe. Like, <laughs> put me into the house. Put a one-year-old on a boogie yeah. board. You're like goodbye. Am <laughs> I that bad? I don't know. I'm just joking. Just joking. Um. So no, apparently, of course they were there, and I was attached to them. But I was just like, could I stand well enough on water to like <laughs> hold my balance? I don't know. And if I did, how did I lose those skills? What happened? <laughs> Right. What, was, what branch? What branch of service was he in? Army. Okay, so was yeah. he at um, Schofield? I don't. Do you is know? That, is that Honolulu? We were in Honolulu, where yeah. the Tripler Hospital, the Pink Hospital. Yes. Yeah, yes. that's where we were. Um, okay. Everybody asked me stuff. I'm like, mm. I uh, all I know is that <laughs> I was in like a Pink Hospital on the hill or something. They could say. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah that's Tripler. Yeah. Um. All right, so in a more serious note, because we're already having fun, 
Uh, so <laughs> this is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. And um, so I just want to ask you, and it's like a real serious thing, and I, you're going to help so many people. And um, so I'm so grateful that you're talking to us about this. Now, how did you discover that you had a lump in your breast? And then what what year did you discover it? Like, how long ago was it? I I really didn't discover it. This was before, you know, they, they not pushed, they recommended like the, you know, the self-exams and stuff like that. Um, I was, I believe, 35. Um, I thought I was, no, I think I was 36. I thought I was behind on getting my mammogram. So I um, went to my yearly exam, you know, OBGYN exam. And, um, well, let me backtrack a little bit. The The guy I was with at the time um, felt lumps in my breast. Or, or I thought they were just like, uh, you know, calcium deposits, whatever. I kind of blew it off. So then I went to this exam and I said, um, you know, I think I'm behind on my mammogram. And she said, oh, how old are you? And I told her I was I, 36. And I said, I thought the, the, um, the age where, you, you know, your insurance starts paying for it was 35 and I guess they had changed it to 40 at the time but she did a breast exam and um she felt something also and she asked me about it and I told her yeah you know my boyfriend said something and I just kind of blew it off and she's like well I feel something and even though you're not old enough you know for your insurance to pay for it you're not 40 um I'm gonna recommend that we do one and I said you know okay Okay, so we did one, and it really didn't show anything. It, it didn't come back with any marks on it that would um, say breast cancer. So, but she's, she insisted. She's like, I know that I feel something. I'm sure I feel something. I'm going to um, schedule you for, um, I forget what it is. I, I want to say ultrasound, sonogram, you know, whatever they can, they do um, when you're pregnant. Uh, um and she sent me to a surgeon. And these are both female doctors. And I really think they pushed it because they were female doctors. I'm sorry, sorry, male doctors. But um, I think it would have been different if it was a male doctor. So um, anyway, I went to the surgeon. Um, she did an ultrasound and barely, barely like a shadow uh, showed. And so she felt the the um, lumps also and she they both recommended a biopsy so we did the biopsy um it took for it felt like it took forever to come back um when it came back it showed in the right breast at the top um dcis which is ductal carcinoma in c2 um cancer in the ducts okay so the left breast was questionable LCIS, um, lobular carcinoma in C2. Um, I don't know what lobular means. Maybe you do being a nurse. <laughs> but um, so they, they 
it's like stage one cancer, stage zero cancer. I think, I don't even think it was stageable at the time. Um, so they recommended um, tamoxifen. I took tamoxifen for a while and then I started reading more about it. Um, and at the time, my mom was in health care. She was a, a social worker at a nursing home. And um, she would send me information when she would come across it. And uh, she sent me information on tamoxifen. And it, uh, one of the side effects of tamoxifen was a risk of um, a high risk of cervical cancer or uterine cancer. And um, I was like, I already have one cancer. Why would I want to risk <laughs> getting yeah. another? You know, so I quit taking it. And um, that was about, uh, let me see, the year, I think it was like 99. So I went, you know, to my regular doctor's appointments. And then in 2002, I, I moved up here. I moved to back home to West Virginia. And uh, my first job didn't offer um, health insurance. It was a privately owned restaurant um, and they didn't, they weren't big enough to require health insurance. So one thing led to another and, and I left that job and then started working at Bob Evans. So in a span of like, I want to say a year and a half, I didn't have health insurance. So as soon as at Bob Evans, when my health insurance kicked in, I immediately made an appointment with uh, an oncologist and took him, you know, the results of my other tests and scans and stuff. And he did a needle biopsy. Um, and when that came back, he called me. I remember he called me at Martin's Ferry, <laughs> Bob Evans. I don't Aww. know if you were there or not. And he's like, we need you in the office um, immediately. And I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, it's, it's not good. You know yeah. what I mean? So it, um, what it showed was it was closer to my chest wall. And um, something had to be done immediate, immediately. So um, cancer, it, most cancers are lumps, like big lumps, you know, and to do radiation and chemotherapy, they have to have one centralized target to shoot at, right? So mine was little pinpricks. So there was no centralized target for chemo or radiation. So the only solution was the mastectomy. And um, the, the right breast, like I said, was, was definitely... Uh, the DCIS, the left breast being questionable, um, even with the needle biopsy was still kind of, you know, it's there, but it's not really as bad as the right breast. Um, the surgeon gave me the um, option of removing both breasts or just the right breast. And I'm like, I take them both. <laughs> I don't want to be here in five years or like be worried for the next 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, if it's going to, if the same thing's going to happen, if it's going to get worse, if it's going to spread and I don't know it or, you know, so I said, just, just take them both. I, I don't need them. I wasn't with anyone at the time. You know, it didn't, I didn't want to have to worry about it. I didn't want to, uh, it to get worse. Um, so, and I think, I don't think they do that anymore because my sister-in-law had, um, 
cancer in her breast. This is after mine. Uh, this was maybe five years ago, six years ago. And um, they didn't give her the option for both breasts. They only gave her the option for one. So I don't think they do that oh, anymore. My. But so he, um, we did the mastectomy and he assured me that he got all of the cancer out. So um, I, I, <laughs> I don't really feel like I fought cancer. I don't really feel, sometimes I don't feel like a survivor because all I did was have surgery and boom, it's gone. But I know so many more people who weren't that lucky. So, yeah. But yeah, I give I give credit to those two doctors. Um, I I remember the gynecologist's name was uh, Yvonne Smith, and the surgeon's name was Gretchen. I don't remember her last name though. But um, yeah, I give credit to them. Yeah. So that is a really good thing that they were very um persistent and were like no i really think there's something there and especially with all the scans so like you just said you give them credit but do you think you would have had the same results if you if they weren't persistent and you just would have said okay there's nothing and then do you think it would have caught up to you and it would have gotten really bad cuz you wouldn't have known or do you think you would have eventually figured it out or I I think maybe it would have been found in a later, um, you know, yearly exam or whatever. But I, like, I don't always, at the time, I didn't always do my yearly exam. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I, you know, you get busy, life gets in the way, you know, whatever. Um, so I don't know how soon it would have been noticed. And just within that, what, year and a half, um, of it moving closer to my chest wall. And I, I didn't know it then either. You know, I don't know how much worse it could have been. You know, he said it was, you know, your chest wall, your organs are back there. So, um, you know, your heart, your lungs, stuff like that. So who knows how far it would have went if it wasn't caught when it was. Wow. So I have another question. So, cause I work in the recovery room. And, um, I see, unfortunately, I'm trying to, I try not to get sad because I cry almost every episode, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but I see when people are waking up and they realize that they don't have the, you know, body part or whatever anymore. Um, actually yesterday I had a patient and once he came to, like, at first he was confused. Um, once he came to, he said, did I have to lose my testicle? And I'm like, oh, boy. And I'm thinking, I hope not, because they didn't tell me that. <laughs> like, but, <laughs> but the thing is, like, that wouldn't be my job to say that, because I'm not the doctor. But I see, right. like, how upset. Like, I've had young, a young patient. It was a different kind of cancer, but um, the only thing she was having was like bloating. I think that was her only symptom. And they said that the cancer was all, but they'd said they can't say it's cancer. They know it's cancer, but they can't say it because the biopsy was indeterminate. I mean, it was maybe different kinds of cancer, but it was mm -hmm. all in her stomach. So much so that they had to take out all of her reproductive system at 20, oh. 22, 23 years old. And yeah. 
it was so sad. And she's like asking me, am I going to die and all this stuff? And I'm like, oh boy. Um, and it was hard. And then like, so her husband was, you know, her family took it really hard and she was still under anesthesia. So, but once she started getting more awake, she was like, I held her hand and she's like, what does this mean? What's going to happen? And I'm like, honey, I, I wish I could tell you, I don't know. But the fact that she could never have kids of her own, it was just a hard thing. So did you go through like a grieving process once you lost your breast or were I, you? I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I kind of, I mean, I was, I had the, the internet when my earbud just died, one of them. Okay. Um, so I did some research and the first time I saw a picture of somebody who had the mastectomy I mean it it just took my breath away and I don't I don't even know I didn't grieve or anything like that and the the only time like I was without okay so I had that in 2003 November of 2003 um the following year I got pregnant and ha with my twins yeah so it's not like it kept me from a relationship it's not like it, it turned anybody off you know what I mean it, it's um I think I looked at it as this is what I have to do to save my life right you know what I mean so and my I had a friend whose mother died of breast cancer um like way back after high school. Um, so it was in the, you know, the early years of what we know of breast cancer. And um, I just kept thinking about her, like how she wasn't as lucky. And I felt lucky that that's all I had to do. I didn't have to do radiation afterwards. I didn't have to do chemotherapy afterwards. I just felt really lucky. So, and then um to have my boys afterwards I felt kind of weird being pregnant because everybody was like are you going to breastfeed are you going to you know bottle yeah. feed I'm like well I can't breastfeed but <laughs> right. I guess I'll bottle feed <laughs> um because a lot of people didn't know yeah you know um and it never I I always thought in my head I'm not going to let it define who I am and a lot of people still don't know and even I have had reconstructive surgery. Um, awesome. Like I said, I was without breast for 10 years. And then it's funny because <laughs> I started seeing a plastic surgeon um, the year after I let, you know, I healed and kind of dealt with it a little bit. And um, I started to see a plastic surgeon to schedule it. And I went to, I think, two appointments. And at, at the time, I forget why I couldn't schedule it. And then I finally got to where I, was going to call them on the phone and, and make an appointment and, and do the surgery. And that week I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, so I, obviously I, I waited a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah. Um, so, wow. Okay. So first of all, I just want to say that your mindset is so amazing. Like you're so strong mentally because and and don't ever like push that to the side like oh it's all nope nope i just want to say this 
you are an amazing person and the fact that that's so kind of you to like compare right and say well at least right I understand that because like at least you know mine just got taken off but you still got number one you still got the diagnosis okay yeah that's the same as everyone number two you still had to deal with a decision okay number three yes you can say yes you were lucky that's great and you know it's a blessing it's wonderful and not so many people that's the situation for them and it's very sad and I understand and I've lost people important to me uh, from breast cancer as well but that doesn't take away your story and your journey and you Beth right that doesn't take away what you went through and I'm not saying anything and I'm you know to anybody that had to go through chemo radiation I've seen it like I had a a co-worker just a couple years ago that was um, we were both nurses and she was going through it and it it was so hard like I wanted to help her I would fix her she was exhausted and she was sick all yeah. the time and so but everybody's journey is different it doesn't make it less than the other person or more than the other person it's just a different different path that you take so please don't ever think like oh well you know mine wasn't you know I'm not a survivor yeah you're alive you're a survivor you're you're kicking butt you're doing amazing we'll talk about more stuff in in a little bit but don't please don't ever think that you're not tough or strong or you didn't have to get through it because you, you did and I'm proud of you and you have no, such thank a good, you. you're welcome I really am like even a couple years after you went through this I I knew you and and I knew that you did have a double mastectomy but but guess what you're a kick-ass person and you're a hard worker that you know what I'm saying like you that's what you are is a really good person but so it's really cool of you to like think like you know what I'm not gonna let that stop me I'm gonna keep going and I'm gonna you know and you know you had relationships and that it's so important for women to hear that and I want I'm so grateful that you said that because people will think that well who will love me if I don't have breasts or they might think that or right, would, right. yeah so the fact that you said that out loud is is such a beautiful thing and I really appreciate you for saying that that women you just heard and men can get breast cancer too but you just heard her say that she got in relationships and we'll talk about she's now married and has an awesome relationship too but she's gotten a relationship after that a few times and she it was fine and then she's still a great human being and that's the important thing right is being kind and being a good human being because right right that's why people fall in love with you it's not because of all the <laughs> other stuff right I mean come on I mean just because somebody has breasts but they can be the biggest jerk in the universe so <laughs> you know that doesn't define them but anyway sorry I got off on a tangent I just want to say yeah I'm really, it's okay I'm really grateful that you said that though because if anybody's going through this right right now and they want to make the decision and they're thinking, oh my gosh, what will my husband think or what will this person think or how would I, you know, have kids in the future or how will this happen? It can happen. You, mm -hmm. you can do it. I mean, it's, it's like if the right person, if the person 
is meant for you they're not going to look at that they're not they're not going to focus on you know the fact that you are maybe one breast or both breasts or whatever the case may be because they're going to love you for you and that the fact that you're alive you had to make that choice to right. save your life that is called a survivor friend <laughs> seriously <laughs> seriously um so speaking of the boys now first of all they're seniors how crazy is this i do not I know, know right what i was like huh like you're doing these challenges and you're like uh challenge accepted and then senior parent and i'm like senior what like how did they become yeah but senior? i mean yours also what what yeah. uh you're yours they're old. how old are they're yours 21 now? and 19 oh my god crazy huh i know yeah um so it made me cry I'm sorry I made you cry, but I just want <laughs> I just right. want you to know, you know, and it's hard to hear stuff out loud about ourselves because I I always make stuff about myself. Sorry, everybody, but uh, I was on <laughs> I did an interview the other day, and the lady read out loud just a few things that I've been through, and she asked me, "How did that make you feel to hear it?" And I was like, "I'm crying over your own story, right?" So. You, it does it makes it it puts it into perspective because we just move along and we keep trucking right and we're just like do 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 and that's that's what it is but then hearing it out loud how did that make you feel other than now you're crying but <laughs> I mean I I I know you're you're right I just don't I don't know why I don't view it that way I don't I don't know maybe other people weren't as lucky as me maybe that's why I don't know. It's because you're a good person. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, I understand where you're coming from because you feel like, just like a lot of people, what do they call it? Literally, I think it's called survivor's guilt. So, for example, if somebody's in an accident and one person survives and the rest of people pass away, they have this of why me, right? And then they're like, right. why? Yeah. Like, why did they only save me? Why am I, you know, uh, allowed to live on and, and be okay and they're not? And so you're just being a good, caring person. And I understand, I understand because I feel like I would feel the same way. Um, you're a very empathetic, kind person. So I feel like I would also kind of feel the same way, but I don't want you to to i understand that you feel like that so nobody's going to change how you feel you're just you know that's just how you feel but from an outsider person that i actually know you i want you to know that not that they because i have family members that that pass too and important people that pass too so it's not like i'm diminishing their story either but what i'm saying is that everybody has a purpose even unfortunately the people that we lost but Right. Your purpose, it, you that's what you're here for, right? So it's not, I understand that you're caring about the other people that weren't as lucky. I know, it's it's horrible. It's Cancer sucks so bad. I just lost my cousin to Every cancer. Every part of it, yeah, me yeah. too. And it was a different, yeah, it was a different kind of cancer. But um, And then we lost her mother to cancer around the same age. And they were young. I think she was 43. My cousin was 43 and her mother was 40. Oh and so... Yeah, cancer sucks so bad. So I'm not saying, like, I don't want anybody to think I'm saying, oh, you know, 
just deal with no hex no it's hard and it's it's mentally hard it's physically hard it's it's very hard no matter what the journey is um but i'm just saying in your instance don't i don't want you to diminish your story because other people unfortunately weren't as like and i understand i understand like i don't understand but i understand that so i found lumps and i was so scared and they told me it was nothing i still feel it it's still there and so um so you kind of helped me i want to be more persistent too but yeah um, you need to um is your i i don't want to again i don't want to say a lot i'm not i'm kind of generalizing by asking this but is is your what sex is your doctor male or female um so let's see the one that sent me so i kind of skipped and went straight the doctor is a male but i kind of said hey because i'm a nurse i was like i need a referral and they're like no we're not giving you a referral until you get a physical and i was like listen something is wrong i need a referral so they were very kind and like did that for me but it is a man but um but even the females in the office they were like i don't really feel it too much i'm like i can feel it and then they saw stuff and so i had to go to another office so i did the um what's it called not a pet scan what's that thing i don't know oh, oh mammogram. Uh, i did a mammogram yeah so i did mammogram first and then they made me go into another room because they found something on the other breast that i don't know and then they did like some other test i don't know maybe like the ultrasound or whatever and then they said oh well it must just be um like fibrous like tissue or whatever and i was like okay so yeah but it was scary even then and then like mm -hmm. i i literally my mood changed i was like really like nervous before i found out anxious yeah, anxious yeah yeah and so what i'm i'm just saying like no it it's just it's it's scary but for your mindset to be like you know uh, this is what happened and i had surgery and you know then you had your boys and you're just kind of was grateful to be living which is amazing that's a good way a good outlook instead of saying like woe is me you were like nope you know you were like more positive about it which is awesome yeah so i just let my dog get it now <laughs> okay um all right so having twins First of all, at like forty years old, <laughs> was yeah, was oh that? my god, yeah. <laughs> Talk about surprise. Uh, again, yeah, another surprise. <laughs> um, it that was I think more stressful than the breast cancer. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, oh I'm my. just kidding. No, um, it. I mean, it's it's good and bad uh, obviously my age i was high risk pregnancy my age um the breast cancer um uh, at the time my mom had cervical cancer or uterine cancer one of those um so now my other one died um and then i found out um those were actually that was one of the very few days that I missed at Bob Evans because I was like, I didn't get sick the whole pregnancy, uh, except for one time I was getting ready for, I think it was a swing shift, which I, I think I had to be there at 11. 
And I just could, I was so nauseous and lightheaded. I couldn't get it together. Like I couldn't even finish getting ready. So um, I made an appointment. Uh, I think it would, again, I think it might've been a yearly. I don't even remember if I did a pregnancy test or if I found out at the, at the doctor's office. Um, I think I might've done a pregnancy test cause I did, I missed my period and I, I hardly ever missed. And um, so I went to my first uh, OBGYN appointment. So I, I went to the first OBGYN appointment and they did the sonogram and she almost missed it. Like she was putting her quit, equipment away and then started listening with the stethoscope. And she's like, I think I hear an echo. She's like, I don't, why would I hear an echo heartbeat? And um, so she brought her stuff out again and she's like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, is everything okay? <laughs> she's like, yeah, I think there's two heartbeats. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah, you're going to have twins. <laughs> like, oh, oh my Jesus. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but it was, it was, um, I mean, their dad was around for the first two years and then um, we had our issues and and then I was on my own after that. Um, being a single mom with twins is, it was, it was hard, um, but I had a lot of help because I had family in the area at the time. Um, my brother was a huge help. He lived right up the street. Uh, his, his wife was a huge help. Um, it got more difficult as I got older and closer to school age working in the restaurants. You know, like uh, I realized when I was at, I think I was working at the Wheeling Bobs that, uh, you know, if they, I think they were in kindergarten, maybe if, if something happened and I needed to get them from school, I wouldn't be able to. And their dad was not real reliable. So that's when I, I was like, I, I need to do something else. I can't continue to work this kind of schedule and um, take care of these guys. So, um, I mean, but it had its ups and downs. They're, they're always entertaining. <laughs> I'm <laughs> Still bet. to this day. <laughs> I just got their senior pictures back and there's a couple that just, uh, she, she caught some, uh, I, I like to call them bloopers. You know how you wait after a certain movie because you know there's going to be bloopers. <laughs> she, <laughs> she she cut a lot of bloopers. I was trying to upload them today to post to that uh, challenge, but um, uh, I think the way she had them linked, I have to get on my computer. But anyway, they're they're um, they're something else. Yeah, they're so cute though. They um they were they had a lot of so did my one son. Holy moly, energy and fun mm -hmm. and yeah. Mm -hmm. My son used to call him call one of them the wrong name. It was hilarious. Ja uh, yeah, James, James and Thomas. Thomas yep. and James. Thomas and James. That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm like, it's James, and he's like Thomas and James. Thomas and James. I don't. Um. So are they 17 or 18? When do they turn? They're 17. They'll be 18 in December. Oh, wow. Yeah. My yeah. gosh. Yeah. So mine is um my, well, he's not my youngest anymore, but at the time he was my youngest. He's turned 19 in June. So oh, wow. 
yeah so he's like a year and a half older than them maybe uh-huh but yeah so well, that's so funny um all right now so you did a good job juggling everything and you're right it's hard one time i actually was all the way in um new martinsville working at that bob evans and mm -hmm. my son busted his eye like right above his eye open at school and they couldn't get in touch with me so he was just kind of like bleeding at school and again i'm the <laughs> only parent so the babysitter decided to take him to this hospital i think that's now shut down and um and and she said before i wouldn't even take my dog there so why would you take my child she did <laughs> i promise you it was belair hospital have you ever heard of belair hospital it was um yeah so no, i think it's closed no. now probably yeah so the point is she took him there and i'm like but they wouldn't really treat him and so finally i had to call then somebody on their off day one of the off the managers and there wasn't that many managers there that store was you know in the boonies yeah uh, but so so somebody came in had to drive far away to come and relieve me for me to drive all the way up there and when i walked in they actually i gave them permission over the phone and they were trying to give him stitches and he was throwing a fit and fighting. That was my oldest kid. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so I walked in and like held his hand and, and, but I was like, this is crazy. I mean, he literally right above was like split open and like hanging over his, Ooh. his eyebrow. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? Yeah. So I understand again, completely what you're talking about because <laughs> other times I couldn't, but I was like, if my kid dies and I'm stuck here, we're going to have a problem. Like, I have right, to go. Right, I don't have a choice, you know. But, yeah, if they were sick or something like that, you really can't. What, do, what are you going to do? Um, It's hard. So, I have a another serious question, and I'm sorry. So, you're, you talked about your mother um, having the cancer, and she passed away. And then your father actually passed away of cancer, too, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. What kind he of was a he was a smoker though he was a heavy okay. smoker so uh, it's his was lung cancer and okay. they it was it was stage four he went really quick he wow. uh let me see he was diagnosed like in March and then by like May or June he was gone oh my, my mom yeah it, it was quick but he kind of he kind of gave up he wasn't uh, a fighter you know what i mean he um he was retired and he really didn't he just kind of sat around and watched tv he really didn't it wasn't active and this diagnosis just kind of uh i don't know it it, it didn't motivate him at all to do anything more um, he tried to quit smoking, but uh, by then it's kind of pointless to quit, you know. Um, my mom, on the other hand, was um, diagnosed. Hers was stage three. And they gave her, when she was diagnosed, they gave her three years. And she lived three and a half years past her diagnosis. But again, she was familiar with uh, health care and different treatments. And she was... <laughs> she like she was a fighter she fought she fought hard she did all this crazy stuff um she re like changed her diet completely she was i mean I, i'm probably making stuff up but she would eat like 
ice cream made of rice and oh, wow. like just crazy yeah crazy stuff like that I've got all these cookbooks of hers that are like cooking with stevia and um, yeah like stuff like that like I'm sure it doesn't taste good but she 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 did it and she went to um this place in Columbus for the life of me I can't remember where it is or what it was called but they did these alternative treatments like um, ultraviolet light therapy um uh, some crazy stuff I and since I was on modified bed rest because I was pregnant, um, I would drive her over sometimes. And I remember one time <laughs> they um, injected her with the flu so that her antibodies would build up and fight the cancer instead of, you know, the flu, I, I guess. I, I'm, I don't know. Wow. Um, yeah, it was really... It, like some of the stuff she did was just really crazy. She took supplements, she took vitamins, she took her cancer medicine. Um, she changed her diet, but uh, it was, it was hard to watch her for that long go, you know, she had her hills and valleys and her valleys were very hard, very hard. So, um, yeah, she, when she finally passed, the doctor was like, I don't know what she did, but she shouldn't have lived this long, <laughs> wow. you know, so whatever she did helped her. And, and you, you, my brothers and I didn't say, you know, wow, this is crazy, mom, why are you doing this? It, it, her mindset was, I'm going to beat this. I'm going to do what it takes to beat it whether it's some crazy shit or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to do it and beat it. So, I mean, she, she kind of did. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss of both of them. Thanks. Thank and, you. Uh, you're welcome. And when they were going through that, I know it was different stages and different reasons and stuff. Did you ever think about, you know, your going when you went through the breast cancer or did you not compare it to that? No, um, not really. Okay. No, because, um, again, I really didn't, you know, I had the surgery, it was gone, and they were trying to do what they could do to make theirs go away. You yeah. know what I mean? And, and again, it took my mom three and a half years and my dad just, um, several months. So if, I would rather, I mean, I, I can't say, that. I was just going to say, I think I would have, I'm glad my mom was around for three and a half years, but it was really hard to watch. Whereas my dad was very quick and didn't go through the stages that my mom went through. Um, so he didn't go through the pain and the, the fight and, and all that. So I'm, you know, it has its blessings one way or the other, you know, thankful that he didn't have to go through it that long. Thankful that I had her that long. So. Aww. You you have such a good, like I said, mindset. You're, um, I love it. So Aww, now <laughs> you're welcome. So fast forward, fast forward. Do, 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 do. Um, <laughs> so when you met Paul, which is now your husband, 
how did the boys take to him like how did that go in the beginning it was it was easy um we you know we did a lot of stuff i just i just wanted a, a kind of a family like i think everybody wants the kind of family they had when they grew up unless you had it like a you know not very good family i mean i had a, i had a decent childhood it wasn't the best it wasn't the worst um you know we uh i i just wanted the same thing for them so you know relationship after relationship <laughs> And it doesn't work out and then you start again and it doesn't work out and then then I would quit you know and just be like I'm I'm gonna focus on me and my kids I'm not gonna worry about you know I can do this on my own I don't need a man <laughs> you know I don't know if you went through that <laughs> uh-huh sure did <laughs> I mean you go through you you want to be with somebody then yeah. you're like I you know I don't need anybody then you find somebody and things go wrong and you're you, you it's again it's like mm -hmm. uh peaks and valleys you know so um he i actually i <laughs> i met him when i hired him <laughs> <laughs> at the nursing home <laughs> he was just coming out of a bad relationship um he was looking for uh any work he could get nearby um, he just lived right down the road. He was very persistent. He he wanted to um, work in maintenance, but the lady in HR saw that he had um, cooking experience, and we always needed somebody. Uh, so she suggested that um, that he talk to me, and he called day after day after day, and he was very persistent about <laughs> working. So. Um, we healthcare is the the food service industry and healthcare is different from restaurants you have very limited staff um you don't have like people on call you don't run short because you run with the minimum staff like if i had a dishwasher an aide who is just kind of like an assistant um to the cook and then a cook so you, you're running with like three employees sometimes sometimes four because you have a prep cook but if one of those person calls off sick and um, you don't have anybody on call or you can't, you call people and they won't come in, then you are the one doing the work. Right. Like the dishes don't get done if your dishwasher calls off and nobody comes in because you only have one dishwasher, you know, on that schedule. So a lot of times he and I were working side by side because a lot of a lot of people calling off <laughs> so um we did dishes together he would cook i would be the aide or the dishwasher or whatever and um we started talking we had a lot in common he lost his mom to breast cancer oh. um so that was one of the kind of the things that we had in common that brought us together we'd both been through a lot of um crappy relationships uh and um, he was, he was easy to talk to and he was a, a go-getter and he was funny. Um, and, uh, with the boys, um, the, their dad was in the picture like every weekend. Um, and he wasn't, he's not a bad dad to them. 
he just wasn't good to me so he's right he's a good father to them um but it, i think the boys like paul it's been hard since they've been teens and you know hormones and stuff like that they um you know they they think they're tougher than they are <laughs> they they're not here to hear me say that so (laughs) but um i mean they've 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 gone after each other's throats a little bit here and there but i think as adults now that they're older you know young men um paul's a hard worker uh i i always thought he would be a good role model for them because he goes to work every day um he he brings home a paycheck he even when he comes home from work he's like out mowing the grass or working up in the garage or doing stuff around the house um he he cooks dinner sometimes um you know he's he i always thought he would be a good role model for them as far as that goes (laughs) so um i mean we've had our challenges but um lately it's been really good uh so um hopefully it just keeps getting better you know yeah no and i went through that too so that's why i wanted to ask yeah Um, yeah so how old were they when you met paul uh what's this it's 2022 2013 nine years ago they were like nine and ten okay yeah that's a rough time Um, yeah just getting into middle school yeah, yeah so my my second son um he did he's the one with adhd and asperger's stuff mm-hmm. he he did great though he was like okay he don't care my oldest one was mr protective all the time so mm-hmm. that was rough and then he had my i miss him so much but he um had our youngest boy which was carmine which is his he came in when he was four so that was the hard part was mixing kids with kids and like it was just like wow it was a lot and the oldest the oldest the now he's 21 and the 16 year old which is you know biologically not mine but i raised him for seven years so he's mine but he they are very much alike so it was bad like for many years of um, not only, you know, my ex-husband trying to tell the oldest one what to do, but the oldest one telling the the youngest one at that time what to do, and the youngest one telling the oldest one what to do. I'm like, oh, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was a, it, yeah, it was a challenge. So that's why I ask, because boys are very protective of their mom. So, um, yeah. but it, I, it will get better because as they get older they're going to realize the stuff that you're doing and stuff is, is for good. And like, as long as he, as Paul keeps treating you good and doing, you know, being a good role model, they'll see that, but it'll, it'll get better. But, um, so now you have, I'm so excited for you, Beth's cake stand. And what, how did that come about? And how long have you been making the cakes now? Um, I have, I, I can remember living in Marietta, Ohio 
in like second or third grade and having a uh, easy bake oven. <laughs> I cooked with a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I had so, one too. Yeah, I loved it. Like I would make brownies and I would make little cakes and stuff. And my mom was, uh, my mom baked it. You know, she did Christmas time and cookies and stuff like that. And um, I remember one time, this is just a funny story. I, I made a cake and we were coming it's a two-hour drive from marietta to wellsburg and we were coming to visit my grandmother and i made a cake for her and i set it you know in in the back seat that little area between the the windshield and the, and the back seat yeah and um we I, I don't know why but we were bringing our dog with us and the dog ate my cake <laughs> oh. i was so upset <laughs> I was so upset that grandma didn't get her cake. But anyway, so that's what, how old are you in second, third grade? Like seven, eight? Yeah, something like that. So ever since then, I mean, I have just loved, I, I have a sweet tooth. So I like, I like eating sweets. I like making sweets to eat. Um, I always have uh, when I think I started to really, as an adult, show passion for it at that restaurant I worked at in New Jersey. They had a um, pastry chef, and I would, I had a collection of cookbooks, and I would always go to the dessert section and look for desserts. And I found one, and she, she needed something for a special occasion, and she used that recipe, and she liked it. And um, so we you know, they adapted one of the recipes that I found for the restaurant. So that made me, Aww. that boosted my confidence a little bit. Um, and then um, at, at one point, I, I think she left, whoever the pastry chef was, she left and I considered going to school to become a pastry chef, but I knew we would be moving, you know, cause he's in the military. Uh, so I, I didn't, um, I didn't follow that. But when I lived in Houston, they would, uh, at the restaurant I worked at after I graduated, they would have wine dinners once a month where they paired a dish with the wine and, you know, different flights of wine and um, uh, like dessert wines also. And I gave them a couple of recipes for dessert and they used those for the, the wine dinner. And um so from then on, it just kind of, you know, I would try out different things and here at home and uh, wherever I was living at the time. And at the, um, at the nursing home, when I got the job as food service director at the nursing home, um, we had two residents, as crazy as this sounds, that were going to get married. Um, they, were, they were fairly oh. young. Yeah, it was, it was really cute. Um, they were going to get married. Um, and I told her I would make her wedding cake. And so I made this ombre, like, uh, her favorite color is purple, uh, like dark layers at the bottom, you know, getting lighter as it goes towards the top. Um, and I had everybody taste it. I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? And then I took it to Jennifer, who's, who was the one getting married to taste. And she's like, this is great. Um, for whatever reason, they didn't get married. But everyone is like, 
oh, this, this is awesome. You should like try this. You should try to sell this. You should really like do something and start, you know, doing this as a business. So my first cake that I actually sold was to somebody at the nursing home for a baby shower. And then I just, I had, um, friends who encouraged me and, uh, Paul who encouraged me and the nursing home gig was, was getting challenging (laughs) and I decided to leave and then I was just going to bake from home and I I did that for a little while and it's, I keep saying, you know, peaks and valleys, but it's like the restaurant business, you know, like after Christmas, things die down, you Mm -hmm. have your busy season and you're not busy season. And I was, when I quit, it was like about October and I did great for Thanksgiving. I sold pies and cakes and cheesecake and, and at Christmas I did cookie trays and um, cakes and stuff like that, pumpkin rolls and, um, chocolate rolls and some other stuff and uh I did really really good and I'm like oh this is gonna be great but then January came yeah (laughs) nothing I did nothing uh I had some things for Valentine's Day um it just trying to like do it with no knowledge of how businesses kind of run like that and then I joined all these groups on Facebook and um got more and more knowledge, business knowledge and how to promote yourself and like, uh, you know, different techniques for this and that and um, where to get the best packaging and, you know, everything that, that um, comes with this kind of business. I learned a, a lot of it from Facebook groups. I belong to probably like any cookie group out there, any cake group out there. <laughs> um, I'm kind of uh, like I'm working on these cookies. Let me show you for this wedding oh my gosh how cute it's gonna be this oh that's so cute isn't it she lives on the farm and that's what she wanted but like these techniques like i i can i took a few like just local classes and um and i kind of figured it out um and since 2018 uh actually this month will be four years that I've been doing it in 2020 I went back to um, the nursing home through the whole year of COVID 2020 um as an assistant I I wasn't the one in charge and that was like the less pressure (laughs) it was really nice because I could kind of set my own schedule um and then I went back just recently just because my the boys being seniors, you know, I've got senior pictures. James is playing football. So he's got like all this extra senior stuff, um, you know, graduation party, everything that comes with senior year is, is going to need a lot of money for. (laughs) So um, just to be safe, I went back and now I'm a, a receptionist there and it's, it's easy. It's a four day schedule. Um, Most of my orders are on, like Saturday, Friday, Saturday, Sundays. And, uh, I only, I work Sunday through Wednesday. So it's just about perfect. Awesome. That's good. And yeah. it's important to get like a work life balance, even if you own a business because businesses, oh my gosh, 
They're so hard. And it's basically, it's just you, right? You're the brand. You're the everything. Right. You're the everything. You talk to every single person back and forth. You're the one that has to fit it in your schedule and, and make sure you meet the deadline or blah, 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 blah. I mean, it's like, it's you. So it's mm -hmm. really, really hard. Um, so good for you. That's awesome that you're balancing all that still. Like, that's a lot. And senior <laughs> year is also a lot. Um, yes. So, but, okay, so do you have any advice? And I know you, you said, well, all I did was get the surgery. But do you have any advice for anyone that may feel like they have a lump or maybe they have it in their family, like a history of breast cancer in their family? Like, what would you tell them? I, I would just, I mean, just like you with your, your doctor, I would be persistent. And I would, I mean, if, if insurance is a lot of it too. If your insurance covers the exams that you can get the mammogram the like if it comes down to a pet scan like i don't know what, if there's something in between or or a biopsy or a needle biopsy just find somebody that can ease your mind about it um so that um i i mean you you want to be sure and you don't want to put it off you know, like I said, I, I was lucky that I had two doctors that, um, that pushed for the testing that found what I had. Like, I don't know, I don't know what would happen if they wouldn't have, uh, you know, I, I don't want to think of what would happen if they wouldn't have. Um, my sister, I keep going back to my sister-in-law. She, she was like you, she had, uh, someone say, oh, it's just cysts. And then every time she would go, she was going to the doctor every six months just so they could keep an eye on it. And it turns out it was cancer. Mm. So she knew this whole time that something was there. And, you know, they, I don't know what it is about doctors that they don't want to listen to someone who knows their body. You know what I mean? Um, I would just say, just keep, keep being persistent. I mean, I could have, if, since my mammogram came back showing nothing, my first mammogram, and she could have said, okay, well, there's nothing on your mammogram, you know, move, move on. But she didn't because she felt it also. And so I, I know a lot of mammograms catch things, but they're not always a hundred percent. Right. Yeah, so. yeah. Unfortunately, but yeah, you're mm -hmm. right. It's important to know your body and also as a nurse, or like you said, listen to a partner because they learn your body too. And mm -hmm. as a, as a nurse, we're told to, you know, and uh, I'm an honest person. Okay. Sometimes it gets frustrating <laughs> y'all. I'm not going to even lie. Uh, if somebody is like hollering and like, bah! you know, and like you're trying to take care of them and it does get frustrating, but it's our job as a nurse to listen to them. So say, for instance, they're saying they're having this much pain and you have to take them serious. And sometimes, and I'm guilty of it, there are some people that are on so much pain medicine at home 
that it's like it's so hard to get them at a point where it's controllable for them because they're used to all this in their body and they haven't been taking it because they're having surgery so it's really hard i take them serious and i try to give them what i can uh safely and that's what i tell them i have to watch your breathing you know this stuff is iv it I mean, it can suppress your breathing, your heart rate, your mm -hmm, everything. Mm -hmm. And so I do take them seriously and I love my patients, but, you know, it does get a, sometimes a little bit hectic when we're trying to, you know, just take care of them. And some people, I mean, they'll scream at you, they'll cuss at you and all this stuff and they're not in their right mind. So you have to be right. strong enough to realize, hey, it's okay. Just do what you can. But that's the frustrating part is that. If I'm doing everything in my power to try to help you and it's still not good enough, just like when you're a parent or something, it it's hard because I can only go by what the orders are. And if for some reason their vital signs are, you know, not great and I can't help them as much as I can, but it's not that I don't want to because I will, but it's the fact of it's not safe. Right. And so that's my job, too. So you, just like, again, as a parent, you have 500 jobs. Right. So you have right. to make sure that mentally, physically, all these things that your kids are OK. And sometimes you can't give them what they want, uh, unfortunately. But like, you know, you can't. I mean, you know, I don't have one hundred dollars right now for you to go to whatever. You know what I'm saying? But in in that aspect, it's really hard as a nurse and sometimes because it's like I want to but they don't get it because they're still under anesthesia that you know if if you're only breathing six breaths per minute I cannot give you IV medicine not safe right if your blood pressure is 90 over something nope can't do it but I'm going to help you I'm going to help get it up so I'm going to give you fluids I'm going to do this I'm going to do that so that way we can correct one problem and then I can try to help your other issue you know what I'm saying but mm -hmm. it's a it's a hard balance but can't even remember why I brought it up. But, oh, yeah, because some people will say, like, kind of brush it off. I believe that they're having pain and I will treat. I will treat it, of course. But this one lady, she was screaming and hollering. And now she has a tolerance for it. And she needs a lot of meds. But she was having a real issue. And nobody, we didn't know. And so she was screaming that something hurt. So she came back to surgery several times after that. So the next day... I think it was the next day I was off the day she was there or something or I didn't know I was there but I didn't have her so the one nurse was like oh my gosh I feel so horrible because she kept screaming we didn't know she was having a real issue and so she really was having a real issue so she had to get surgery like three or four times after that but she was having a lot of pain but she also was on a lot of medicine so it was a, like a balance but it's our job to Definitely we can't have any like thing against someone. We have to, in the medical field, you have to listen to them because they know their body. And right. some people are on a whole bunch of medicine or they use street drugs. So unfortunately, in that instance, you can't really give them enough that's going to take off the edge because they're taking something that's way stronger. But in the most part, the person knows their body. They know something's going on. And it's our job. Sometimes it's just like literally repositioning someone that can help them. Like it's our, it's, it's my job to, to listen to them, to take it serious and to try to help them as much as I can. And that's the hard part is that I care so much that when I can't make it better, 
it drives me crazy. I'm like, oh, I'm so, yeah. and then they're like looking at me like, <laughs> you are horrible woman. And I'm like, no, 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 I promise you, I'm trying to help you. You know, like I said, we can reposition, we can do this, we can do that, whatever, whatever. But the person does know their body the best, right? Or if they're like, Ooh. I'm going to, I'm going to throw up, right? And then, you know, nothing happens, nothing happens. It's coming. They can tell, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you take it serious, give them something and then try right. to give them medicine. Right. So, and then not to make it about me um, again, but, uh, but the <laughs> other day I had, and I love her. So unfortunately, and fortunately we have the same patients. Sometimes they come back for different things. And so if I, there's so, there's many of us that in the rotation, <clears throat> but sometimes I get the same patient. So I got the same patient and she's my buddy. And she, um, she was like talking to me. She has a, a stoma, a trach or whatever, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. she was talking to me and, um, she wanted a pain medicine and she always could swallow it before I gave it to her. She starts choking on it. She goes, I'm going to pass out. And I'm like, oh no. So as soon as she said that her heart rate dropped from 80 to 37 and she kind of just leaned back and I knew exactly what was happening. She like vasovagals or, you know, what you can happen when you have a bowel movement that can happen. So anyway, we got anesthesia there, blah, blah, blah. And within a few minutes, she was back to normal and fine. But I took her serious. Even if her heart rate wouldn't have dropped, I would have, you know, tried to get her. So I like made her lay down, blah, blah, blah. But mm -hmm. the point is she knew her body like she knew something she knew what she was gonna, yeah yeah she's like she knew knew something funky was happening and as soon as she said that her heart rate i mean it didn't even go down like normal like do 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 nope it went from one number to the next i was like oh never seen that before wow. <laughs> yeah <I was> like, <laughs> boy so then in my mind i'm thinking how low is it gonna go do we need the crash cart do we need you know what i'm saying you get into the mode of like right am i gonna lose my buddy friend patient no hex to to the no so that yeah so it's like you take as the whole point is and i go on a tangent but the point is <laughs> uh, i remember because you were saying that you know in healthcare people don't listen to people about their own and that's true i'm just agreeing with you it's 100 percent true even with me like with stuff um you know they just kind of write it off sometimes i've even gotten the wrong diagnosis because the doctor uh she's in ohio she was meh, not very good and so <laughs> she told me because i have uh big thyroid nodules and she was like she just assumed nothing was wrong and she was like oh no it's fine and then she looked back at it before i left and she goes oh no sorry you need to go get it um an ultrasound i was like you just told me it was fine and then i had to get biopsies and all this stuff i'm like so anyways, but yeah, people unfortunately think like that, especially in different areas. If you don't have insurance or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah. You don't, they don't take you serious, but um, exactly. It's, it's very sad because there's so many people that do lose their lives um, when they know better and they're telling them. And a lot of stuff is about money now. And yeah. And, and insurance, I mean, just being in the healthcare industry, and having to listen to what insurance companies do um, and, you know, cut people. I mean, I'm talking about nursing homes, so yeah. not hospitals, but cut people before they're ready because their insurance runs out. I mean, you work your whole life to, you know, 
be able to take care of yourself and your family and have a home and all this stuff. And then um, you go into a, a nursing home and you have to sell your home and you have to, oh, yeah. you can't have any money in the bank and, you know, um, you have to rely on the insurance company and then they, they cut you <laughs> for whatever reason. And I, I don't know, I just, uh, I'm very cynical now after, <laughs> You know, the insurance company is supposed to take care of you. That's why you have insurance, but right. they don't always. No, and I agree. I worked at a nursing home too, and I had no clue that people were giving up their houses, signing over their houses, doing all this oh, stuff. Yeah. I was like, what? Like, that's yeah. ridiculous. And it's, yeah. it's not it's not fair. It's not right. And it's it's very heartbreaking. So I understand what you're saying. And that shows that you're a kind person again, too. Because And I, you know, it's just like, it makes no sense. Like you, we have to give you everything we worked for our whole entire life just to stay here. Are you serious right now? Right. So yeah, but, um, it's a shame, but thank you for what you do. And, uh, you're awesome. Now, where can we find you like social media wise, or if they're in the area, uh, how can they buy a cake or any goodies? Um, I am, I do the majority of my business uh, on Facebook and through Messenger. Um, I have uh, Best Cake Stand um, on Facebook. I have uh, Instagram. I think it's um, Best Cake Stand 1, I think. Um, they c I, I don't ship. I'm not allowed to ship. Um, there's, like, laws and stuff. Uh, that I try to try to follow <laughs> <laughs> and um, but uh, you can go to best cake stand you can look at I post pictures of just about everything I do unless it's a repeat um, and you can they can contact me through messenger if they want a cake or cookies or I do just about anything <laughs> yeah it looks so good too I'm like Ooh, if I lived close by, <laughs> if, I <ever> go, <laughs> if I go visit, I will um, definitely get something from you um, yeah. because it looks so good. You do a great job. Thank so, you. Thank you for talking to us and thank you for being such an amazing person. And uh, and you're also a good role model. You're welcome. You're a good role model, too, for um, just basically... You know, I mean, you were also an advocate for yourself because you listened to them, too. You could have said, oh, no, it's fine. But you listened to them being persistent. So that was good. And, you know, uh, I'm so excited that they're seniors and good luck with all that stuff and enjoy Thank the ride. You. And your, da welcome. your daughter is adorable. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you How so much. How old is she now? Nine. Yeah, yeah she's, she's nine. so cute. Thank you. Yeah. She, uh she's i feel bad for her because the boys are so old so she unfortunately mm -hmm. only gets to see carmine in the summer when she goes to ohio and she um my oldest one lives maybe a few miles from us so my mom takes her to go see him at the restaurant he's a cook and so she goes Aww. and sees him yeah um at the restaurant and then my second one my second son um he the the thomas and james one <laughs> he lives <laughs> in maryland now with his dad because he was having a lot of issues here and getting in trouble and so he's doing a lot better now and he um he's doing great i'm very 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 proud of him but 
yeah, my oldest son, actually, his dad was a cook, too. And uh, we used to work together at a restaurant way back in the day, uh, 1990-something. <laughs> and so he has always worked in restaurants, and he's always been a cook. He gets to make his own sauces and stuff. He loves it. He likes to make up his oh, own good. yeah, his own recipes and, and stuff. And so I tried to get him to go into, like, something, either culinary school or restaurant management, but he doesn't want to he's content with what he's doing and i'm like okay. it'll come it'll come <laughs> yeah so he's not like me he's very introverted so he doesn't like to um really not talk to people but you know like in culinary school his chef like so he was the um was it the president or the captain i don't know he was like the president of the culinary club in his school when he was in school and so his, the chef was saying like how mean they can be in culinary school. They yell at you and all this stuff. And my oh, son yeah, is yeah. like, no, thanks. <laughs> he doesn't want no part of that. He's like, Let him watch Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously. I have Chef Gor uh, Gordon Ramsay. Uh, so yeah, yeah, so, but he's doing well. He's fine. I mean, he's had his own place for years and he's surviving and. He, oh, he loves, yeah, he loves restaurants. He's been working at several different ones and two at, at a time at one point. And so he really, you know, that's something he wants to do. And like I said, his dad still works at restaurants since we, we started at 16, I think, at the one restaurant. And then um, his dad still is in that industry. His stepmom is still a restaurant manager. And that's what, you know, they they love it. I was like, I had to do peace out Cub Scout, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like to go to them now. I don't like yeah. to. <laughs> yeah, right. I like to eat. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I funny. let somebody else clean up the mess. Somebody else cook it. <laughs> That's right. It's a it's a good uh it's a good process. It's actually really relaxing. I like to go by myself sometimes to a restaurant and just like just like hang out and enjoy the environment and like breathe mm -hmm. and not have any responsibilities for five minutes exactly like, yeah oh. watch all the hecticness behind the scenes yeah I'm like <laughs> oh boy i'm glad i don't have to <laughs> fix that anymore or, right right yeah really quick so one day i'm sure you have a lot of stories one day at bob evans i was the only manager there and there were like five or six people that needed me so for instance the sign guy was out was aladdin signs or whatever he was there trying to get me to sign something and he, he i needed to approve something or make sure it was spelled i don't know what was happening the lights were out i don't know what was going on then the dishwasher was down the one oven thing back in the prep area that was messed up and down so that people were there the dishwasher people were there the food truck came so they were there. It was the most disastrous. There was no hostess. Like the hostess called out I was or just going to say, you probably were cashing people out because there was no hostess. Yes. And then I had to cook. Like I had to help cook. Uh -huh. And I was like, oh my goodness. I almost lost my mind. So yeah, that was one of the most hectic days I had ever had at any restaurant in my life because everything was on me. And it was like, I had nobody to check in the food truck because mm -hmm. we had no staff. So they were all mad. And I was like, nope. So it was a rush. Like we were in a rush. So I had, I was cooking with the one cook and they wanted either me to go sign it in and count everything and look at everything or him. I was like, nope, sorry. And they had to wait. 
And they didn't like that because it threw off their day. But I was like, I'm not approving something. I don't know if it's all there. You know what I'm saying? Right. But right. Yeah. So I'm sure you had a lot of stories like that. It was, oh, I don't even know what time of year it was or what was happening. All I know is that it was absolutely. And that, and that's insane. how it happens. Yes. yes. And, it, and it's like a domino effect. Oh, yeah. Because it like only one thing will happen, then something else will happen. Then you're like, okay, okay, I got this. Then something else will happen. And you're like, oh my God. Then something else happens. And then, yeah, it's it's just, it's like a storm, the perfect storm. Oh yeah. And um, so I don't know how I made it out of there uh, safely, but I, <laughs> I don't know somehow. <laughs> and everything, you're with us today. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. All of us made it out alive. We were all good. Um, But I don't. I honestly don't know what the outcome was later on in the day, but I just know that I was so, I probably didn't respond, you know, and I was young, I was like in my twenties, I probably didn't respond correctly to anyone at, at, after the fourth person, you know what I'm saying? Like right, after right. fourth or fifth person, I'm probably like, Wah. but and some of the stuff wasn't as hard, like the sign guy, but he kept telling me, like, I don't know what light bulbs or whatever you use. I really don't care at this point. Just fix the problem. You know what I'm saying? Just fix like, it, right, I yeah. don't know. And he's like trying to talk to me about stuff and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm sorry. And then <laughs> I didn't love cooking either. Well, I actually would rather cook than prep. Oh, I do not like prepping. Yeah. But yeah. um, so I think it was just the stress of that. And then like the, everything was getting backed up out there because we didn't have a hostess. And then the wait, you know, then the wait staff is getting stressed. And it's just, you know, you're trying to fix everything and you can't do 200 things at once. So, and that's what you're expected to do this 200 thing. Right. Yeah. And it, it, and it, people get so burned out mm -hmm. that it's, I can understand why um, they're having a hard time finding people because it is you, you, just like nursing. Yeah. You, you can get burned yeah. out on that too. Yeah. Absolutely. I, and that's something that I couldn't do. So kudos to you. I could not do that. <laughs> Thank you. You know, um, I actually want to get out of nursing, but it's not because of the patients. It's because of you can't be a patient advocate like you used to be because there's so many, like the money, like everything's about yeah. money. And yeah. so if I fight for my patients and I say, listen, this pa patient's not safe going home because, you know, they're either not breathing well or whatever the case may be. And then you have a surgeon who's fighting you and saying, I'm not admitting a patient that had such and such done. And I'm like, so you want them to go home and die? Like, what do you, you know what I'm saying? Like, what do you mean? Like, you just say, right. I'm done with the surgery, good riddance. Like, we're still in, like, you you still have to respond to this and be responsible. Like, you can't just be like, whatever, I'm done. Um, right. So that's very frustrating and, like, mentally draining and, and plus my body. Like, my joints, like, today, like, I'm actually rubbing my knee the whole time. My knee is so <laughs> swollen and it's really hard to walk up and down stairs right now. So, you know, pushing stretchers all the way through the hospital mm -hmm. to get them to their rooms, pulling people over, lifting people up, all those things. And Mine only... is my back. Yeah, my, me too. My back is giving me issues. I think I have, yeah. I, I think I have like the beginnings of arthritis yeah. in my back. So I got diagnosed. I didn't know. They told me later on, like, oh, well, you do have arthritis. I said, what? So I have arthritis in my back, bone spurs, scoliosis, whatever. But Ooh. I didn't know I had arthritis. They're like, oh, yeah, it's on a scan from, like, eight years ago. So, what? like, I was, like, 30 with arthritis <laughs> in my back. I'm like, that's nice to know. But I have it in my knee. 
I actually have a sprained ACL, sprained MCL, a Baker Ooh. cyst, and uh, arthritis in my knee. So, yeah, my knee is, like, about to – I said my knee's kicking my butt. People are like, what? <laughs> uh, but it's really, it's really hard right now. But anyway, so, yeah, that's why I want to get out. I love my patients. I will always want to help people. That's why I want to do this show, too, is to help people. I'm going to start doing some mm -hmm. public – public speaking to help people but you know um pushing people and doing all that stuff it's just getting a lot and i'm only 40 and i cannot imagine the nurses i know so many nurses that are in their 60s and they're still doing it i'm like i don't yeah, know how you do that good my, for you let me tell you about my aunt who is an er nurse oh my um God. she is 80 something and she still shows up to work and like what you know people like you she runs circles around like yeah. I, I don't I want to be her you know what I mean <laughs> I want to be her. like her <laughs> yeah wow, that's amazing yeah, yeah so I unfortunately don't want to be like her because I don't want to have to do it <laughs> no offense when I'm 80 you know what I'm saying like because yeah. it's like my aunt is I think almost 70 and she's still a nurse but she only not only I shouldn't say only but she's like kind of high up so she does like office stuff Mm -hmm. um and runs a company which is a lot of mental stress but it's not physical but yeah so but good for your aunt she is well, tougher than i am <laughs> she's a superstar man she and i think she only does it because um my uncle passed away a few years ago uh, my mom's brother and um i think it keeps her going you know what i mean yeah. like you know how people couples who have been together forever pass away and then the other one goes not long afterwards right i i think that's why she still does it oh well good for her that's awesome yeah no i'm always like really proud of the nurses like that because i think it's it's so amazing i can't imagine because like if i'm 40 and feeling like this i don't know how mm -hmm. they're like still trucking along and doing kicking butt and like you said running circles on people and um but yeah, so, well, thank you so much to, uh, for talking to us. It's been amazing. And we've talked about a lot, a lot of stuff. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's like catching up, right? So yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your story and thanks for being awesome. Thank you for asking me. Of course. Absolutely. You're the only person I thought of to talk to and I know other people. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I just was like, I you. need to ask her. Thank you for saying yes. Cause a lot of people I know, they're like, I don't really want to, you know, talk about my, my life. And, and I'm like, okay, no problem. <laughs> Everybody's different. Um, yeah. Apparently I like to put my business out on the streets. I keep saying <laughs> like, all my business is out on the streets. Uh, so anyway, but yeah, so uh, I know you're making cakes, but you have a fantastic day. And like I said, thank you so much. And we will definitely, I need to keep in touch with you. And if I ever yeah. come, in, come in the area again, I want to buy, buy a cake. Yes, definitely. Or cookies or something, whatever you're making. Something. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much, Beth. I appreciate you. You're welcome, Danielle. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Authentic Points of View podcast. I hope that something you heard today changes your point of view. If you would like to share your views, please email me at authenticpointsofview at gmail.com or leave a comment on Facebook at Authentic Points of View Podcast. Remember, always be mindful of other people's journeys 
and have open ears and an open heart. listening to authentic points of view podcast i hope that something you heard today changes your point of view if you would like to share your views please email me at authentic points of view at gmail.com or leave a comment on facebook at authentic points of view podcast remember always be mindful of other people's journeys and have open ears and an open heart